Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. How many of you feel like you are surviving the holiday season, Christmas season? It's going well. You've planned all of your Amazon Prime deliveries right. It's going good. You've, uh, okay, maybe that's overboard. Wow, glad to be with you. We are taking a break from our sermon series on Galatians uh, for the next several weeks um, to talk about Christmas, and so we'll pick that up uh, in the new year as we get going again. Um, and so we're going to continue the series Christmas 2020. If I could title it anything, I would title A Savior is Born. And so if you've got a Bible, if you could look up uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, electronic device, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I'll have a lot of verses. Not all of them will be on the screen. You could follow along, write them down, come back to them later. Well, I don't know how many of you guys are into nativity sets in your home. It seems like my wife, is; uh, she loves nativity sets. We have several of them scattered around our home. And uh, this year we got a new one, and it was these uh, really interesting, um, interesting shaped people gathered around, and it made them cute, and you know, you could arrange them, but we have, a, we have a tradition at our house, and that is that we set up everything and arrange it, but baby Jesus doesn't get put out until Christmas Eve. Uh, it, might, it might just be a thing for us, but maybe some of you participate in that, so at Christmas Eve, we gather around, and somewhere in the evening um, of our tradition, usually after the service here, um, we, we, we go home, or we look at Christmas lights around, and then get home, and then baby Jesus gets brought out somewhere and gets arranged in all of the nativity sets. And that's just the thing that we do, one of the things that we do. And I was thinking about um, this, this Christmas season and the reason that we celebrate and what, what, we, what we often talk about or could look at and, and murals and images and, uh, and, and paintings and uh, remembrances. And, and many times we can be caught up in, in the goodness of the season and even the... Um, the reminder that Jesus arrived as a baby. And that's good, amen? That's good. But, but I want to bring another side to that because the, the, the beauty of his arrival didn't end and his mission was just beginning about what he was out to do. And what he was out to do was far from the images that we see of this, this baby that was born in a place that had no other room to be. And so in a manger, in a stable a setting that is quite unlike and one that we could talk about that is, has much of its own um, journey and story behind that. But I want to hone in on a couple things about that. A Savior is born. And how many times we could really forget and the longer we walk with Jesus or the longer maybe if you're Christian here you understand that somewhere in your life you've had an encounter with Christ and, and, he, and there's been an interaction and, and he's been shaping you and you've been moving to grow to know him more and, and it's been a journey and you could begin to forget the, the impactful points about what Jesus came to do. Sometimes for us, it could be so far behind us that we, that we just rest in the reality of what he's done for us. And that's a praise the Lord. Many of us have been in, in, encountered him long ago. And, and it's, these seasons are good reminders to go back to the idea and the starting point. And for some of us today, I think it'll be a, a great reminder of 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. A Savior is born, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I want to start here, and then we'll move through. We'll read a couple texts, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Wow. Wow. Think about about the moment. Angels appearing to shepherds. Uh, the lonely ones, the outcasts, think about it. I mean, th- these guys shepherding in that time wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, marvelous. You know, you go out with your flock and you could be out there for days and weeks and months at a time. I mean, you, you, after a while, you start to smell like them and, and look like them, but you, you are with your sheep, out, isolated, away. And right in the midst of their time with them, angels appear to them and give an announcement of the very thing, if you were Hebrew, this thing that you hope and wait would come in your lifetime. Angels appear to you and announce, right here, one is born, a savior. And then instructions followed about what what they would find if they saw it and they should go see. And, And so right here in the moment, let's think about this for a moment in terms of what they may have heard in their mind. So let me back up a minute. Jerusalem by this time had been under Roman rule for a while. And Rome's influence on Jerusalem and the nation of Israel was harsh. The level of poverty and and desperation and need was, was great. We as Americans have no bearing. Maybe if you've traveled internationally, you have, you have, you've been able to put, put some experience to maybe great need and see what, and I guess, individual experience would inform what that would be like. And so as, as, as Hebrews in, in, in the land, they have lived with an understanding that one day a Messiah is going to be born and will appear if they went to the synagogues, if they went to any schooling, they would have been, they would have been taught that, that, that the prophets foretold many times that there is one who will come, a Messiah, be watching, and, and these are the signs, and this is what he will do, and this is what will happen. And so for them, under another rule, being oppressed, and a people who have been um, uh, in, in, in many ways uh, laid siege to as a nation and their customs and, and how they worshipped and who they were, were longing for one who would show up as indeed a savior. But I submit to you that the way that they longed a savior to arrive was not the way that they indeed found his arrival to be. 
In many ways, their longing was played out in how they flocked to different messiahs or, or, um, or ones who were fanatical, the ones who would pick up a sword and a spear and, and would rail with, with great zeal of, against the authorities and the power it be. And, and, and every time one would arise, they would, they would flock to and work with and, and try to go against the powers that be, thinking that that would be the method by which a savior would set their people free. It's compelling. It's compelling. I submit to you that maybe had we lived in that time, the people who joined the radicals to overthrow uh, the authorities of the time may have been you and I at different points in the history of the culture. We don't know. But that's, that's one lens maybe they would have seen. I want to I jump back to Matthew chapter 1. And I want to bring you to a story of an encounter with an angel by Joseph. Joseph, by this time, had already been informed that he was betrothed, that the one he was betrothed to was expecting, having to wrestle with that, was contemplating all kinds of things about what, what, what his responsibilities were, what he had decided to do with this pregnant one that he was engaged to, that in all aspects except uh, consummating the marriage, that they were, they were married, so they were, they, they were, he was taking care and he was working through relationship and, and there was going to come a day where they actually would had been married and consummated it, but there hadn't been that point yet, and he'd been told that she was with child. So the implications, I'm engaged to a woman. We've been engaged for a while, and now I hear she's expecting, and we haven't been together. Scripture lays that out. Thoughts and emotions were going. He had contemplated. Joseph had made a plan to quietly put her away and be done, try to do the honorable thing in what he was doing, but I'm, I'm done. This is, something's broken here. And an angel of the Lord appears to him. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. You see, Joseph had a, a real pivotal role to play in this, um, this marriage union here. It was customary for, for the, the men to name the children. And so, so right here in this moment, the angel of the Lord was, was setting about and putting things into motion to say, whoa, wait a minute. And in many cases, it may very well have took for anyone an angelic visitation to say, this one that's in her womb, it's from the Holy Spirit, take care and name this way, and here's the mission. So Joseph hearing this is compelled, and then the rest of the story is history. Joseph is obedient and an upright, a man of character. Scripture lays out who he was. Go read the Gospels, the stories. It's powerful. Let him speak to you as though... These were real people in the time. And so he names and he says, his name is Jesus and he will save people from their sins. You know, Messiah or Savior means promised one, deliverer, or, or literally means one anointed with oil. 
very special. The Jews in this time had been waiting for one who would come to bring freedom and liberty. Jesus came to save people from their sins. I want to delve into this here because in this holiday season, there's a real beauty in the story of pictures of, there's no manger back here. I don't know why I keep turning back there. (laughs) Something got lodged in my head a while ago and I can't get it out. Yeah. But what we can get stuck in this idea of finding a baby in a manger and, and even, you know, oh, cute, oh, baby Jesus. And I'm not trying to make light of that except to say that Jesus' mission and purpose was far more than that. And the implications on humanity were violent. Think about this. Peacefully entered, violently exited, and then returned with great authority. Authority to do what his mission was to do, and that was to redeem people, rescue people, save people from their sins. Why? Well, as Christians during this season, I think it's really important to be reminded of the reason that we gather the reason that we celebrate, the reason that we, that we honor even this time of his birth because it wasn't just about his arrival. We look forward to that. But it's about what he accomplished, which is bringing freedom to people and reconciliation and forgiveness. Come on. Many of us here in this room, we, we, we've accepted the, the transaction and recognized in faith, Jesus, that's what you've done. You've forgiven. But we are in different stages of freedom and sanctification, and working through. Some of us still, in in being formed in the image of of God, still have things that are still hanging on and trying to to grab and to to hold on. And this is what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save that which was lost. I want to, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it really is about the gospel, and as Christians, we should be able to give an account for the hope that lies within. Amen? Come on. It is the story of Christmas. It is the story of the arrival of Jesus, Savior and Redeemer and Messiah. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I guess for some of us, I need to back up here a minute and go to Genesis. Just give you a short, quick recap so that we understand maybe where where we're talking. We're on the same playing field. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created a man and a woman, Adam and a woman, later named Eve, and it was well. And they had relationship in the garden with God. They had regular communion with the Lord. And then one, and, and God set the boundaries of his creation. He said, you can eat of anything and tend to this and work in this. You can eat of anything except this one thing, this tree right in the middle here, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that. That's love. That's, that's, that's free will. That's, that's love. And so right in the midst of that, as Adam and the woman are together, a serpent shows up a talking snake. Now there's a mind trip. That's a mind trip. And I submit to you that if ever a snake arrives and starts talking to you, 
run. But there was, a, there was a dialogue. And in that dialogue, the serpent served to cause, cast doubt and dislodge the authority of God in their life. They yielded to it. They ate of the fruit. And at the moment of rebellion, uh, disobedience, sin entered. This is really important for us as humans. Sin entered. En- enmity with God entered. That's that we became, um, we became in opposition to God, in opposition, enmity with one another, that we became in opposition to one another. Think about this. From that moment, from that very moment, all of a sudden, the natural course of human history was forever changed. The first, the first response was to hide, to hide from their creator. Hide. And then from that, the churnings of an evil human condition worked its way through. For thousands of years, sin has taken its toll. Sin in the bounds of death and the wages of sin that, 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 that move through our, our body like a sickness and a disease and, and, and gives us all bents in all ways towards things that do not honor God and are not pleasing to God and are against your creator and against the created being. Think about this. I don't have to give you a discourse and about the things that as humans we're naturally bent towards that could not please God. If, if, we had, if we had just an honesty box and we could put you in and you could, just, you could just be honest and confess and nobody knew your voice and we changed your voice and you just say right here, you know, let's, let's be honest about the human condition. Share a little bit. We ought not be surprised at what gets said. We ought not be surprised because, because deep down, we're all the same. We're all the same in this is that we all have sin running through our veins. The disease of sin before Christ. Now, here's the important thing. Here's the important. This is the reason Christ had to come. Because the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life. To die in sin means that we'll be separated from God for eternity and that we are currently separated from God if we are in sin. This is the gospel message. This preps the need. Right here is the dialogue. Right here is the, in a sense, the the reason or the cell. We are, Scripture says, enemies of God. Some translations say that, that while I was an enemy of God, he first loved us. Another translation says, I think it's a message, says that uh, while I was mocking and spitting in his face, he first loved me. His grace and mercy poured out to me first. I didn't do anything to receive it. There is not good enough in me, and neither is there good enough in you. This presents the need. And you see, as we're gathered here, this is the thing. In fact, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see, while we were enemies of God, humanity, a sin toll was being accrued every year. 
The, the, the nation of Israel showed this well that every year they had to account for their sins and as a household and then they would go to the temple once a year and then they would buy enough sacrifices to cover that transaction and push the judgment of sin away one more year. So think about that conversation with your family. As the head of household, as the husband, you would sit down and the first person you would sit with, you'd choose one, maybe your wife, and sit down, okay, um, how was your year this year, honey? How many sins did you commit? And, and think about that transaction, like the whole time you're writing, you're like, really? Really? You did what? And you're writing, then your next child would come up. Uh, you know, got a teenager, and it's like, okay, all right, all right, daughter, talk to me. Well, and you're like, really? And what was his name? I mean, think about this. this is, we're talking about the human condition. We're talking about human experience, right? So they make a list, and then he writes his stuff, or he writes it first, takes it to the rabbi, takes it to the, to the leader, and says, here are our sins for our household. How much will this be? Tally it up. Two goats and a lamb, five doves. They can buy them over there. Take them over there. They'll slaughter them for you. All you were doing was... You weren't being forgiven. You were staying the wrath of God one more year. You see, the thing is, they didn't know what to do with their sin. They knew they were accruing it, and God said this is what they should do. But there was no remedy for the disease of sin and offense to God at the time. But God, being rich in mercy, he knew, and there was a way. You see, we as people... And, and, and even Christians, we can become so aware of our failings, our condition, the things that hang us up, the things that we've been set free from that we go back to and pick up and, and do it all over again. And, and, and it can become a cycle at times where, where it's like I'm forgiven and, and okay and I'm good and then I'm, I'm not and I take it on again. But, but here's, here's the thing. Jesus knows and he still made a way for relationship with you. See, you and I couldn't pay the debt and penalty of sin. So God sent his only son to be that sacrifice and to make a way and pay the penalty. He took it all on the cross. In obedience to God, he said, I will, I will be the one. I'll give everything so that they can have relationship and be forgiven. This is a story of the gospel. This is what translates to freedom and repentance and forgiveness and grace and mercy and all of that. And our response to that is that God initiated. It's his kindness that drew us there and that we say, God, so grateful. Thank you for relieving me of the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of my sin. This is powerful, people. This is powerful. And, it, and as believers, we need to be regularly reminded that what this season represents is the beginning of a God-man named Christ on mission to redeem humanity and make a way that we can have relationship with God and be forgiven and set free. Amen? 
Amen. So, but, he, but here's the beauty. He didn't, just, he didn't just come to forgive us of our sins. He also came so that we wouldn't be a slave to the bents of sin that we have in us. Think about this for a minute. Just because we have an encounter with Jesus doesn't mean that it suddenly relieves all of the things within us that are undesirable to God and having relationship with him. By reading of scripture, we see there's like, oh, okay, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. That's healthy. We see that. We read through it. Okay, these people, I shouldn't do this behavior, this behavior, this behavior. Oh, I am that. Oh, I shouldn't give my life to this, this, and this. And, and, I, and I can read you stuff and you can find, you know, Romans is a good one, Ephesians is a good one, First and Second Corinthians are good ones. I mean, devour the scriptures. It, it, it's the way that we'll know what it is that we see the story of God's interaction in our lives and for humanity. And, and it's, oh, there's the example. Oh, I represent that. That's not pleasing to God. Yeah, I kind of thought so. And when you don't know what else to do, you begin to lay those things to God. And what I mean by that is you give them to him. Okay, God, here's my life. Here's my actions. And I just have this craving to go do this thing or I'm bent this particular way or when nobody knows, I go do this. And so here's the thing. He came to set us free and to forgive us and then to fashion us into the image of Christ regularly, daily, moment by moment through the power of his Holy Spirit, not to leave us the same way he found us. Right. Not to leave us the same way he found us. Though we may have encountered Christ this way with all of the, the baggage and things that we have been ensnared in, and, and then we find uh, forgiveness, we're repentant, and we lay that, Lord, help, forgive me. And then moment by moment, as, we, as our minds begin to be renewed by the scripture, read the Bible. Ask for the Holy Spirit to be present in our lives. Things begin to break off and, and we see things in a new, in new light and, and a new revelation. All of a sudden we get, we get reminded that when we go to reach for something, we shouldn't reach for the Holy Spirit. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing? Hey, wait a minute, what are you doing? Oh, whoa, oh God, I want to honor you. And moment by moment, we're fashioned into the character of God in our thought life and in our heart life and then our, and then our actions and, and we become new people. Praise the Lord, right? That I'm, I'm not standing here today the same person I was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Wow, I can say that. Wow. Praise the Lord. That you are not sitting here the same today that you were yesterday and a week from now and a decade ago along in your journey. See, in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so because he was tempted in every way, there's a message for believers. He didn't yield. There's power in the gospel. He has the power to set free and to deliver. Come on, somebody. And some of you this morning, this is a message that is worth hanging on to. Keep a firm grip about the things you've heard, lest you slip away. These are principles in Scripture that should resound, that, that somewhere in the journey that we can look today, because there is a world out here that is dying to know of the hope 
in the church. And if ever you get asked, why are you different? What is it about you that we should be ready with an answer for why we do what we do and what we believe? And his name is Jesus. And it's a man named Hope, right? Come on, come on. That's what he's called. This, this is for us. This is for us. And all along the journey, I want to read you a little excerpt from, I want to read you an excerpt from Charles Spurgeon. Some have called him the Prince of Preachers. Taken from a sermon that he did on Christ's incarnation. And this just goes to prove that the gospel is for all time. And in the 1800s, it was good then. And it's good for us today, right? Come on. What does Paul mean when he says that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners? He means first that Jesus came to save them from the punishment of their sin. Their sin shall not be laid to their charge so that they shall be condemned for it if they do not but trust in him who is punished in the place of those who are really guilty. That is one thing that Christ Jesus came into the world to do for sinners. He also came to save them from the pollution of their sin, so that though their mind had been debased and their taste degraded and their conscience deadened by sin, he came to take that evil away and to give them a tender heart and a hatred for sin and a love for holiness and a desire for purity. That is a great work for him to accomplish, and yet Jesus came to do even more than that. He came also to take away our tendencies to sin. Those tendencies which are born in us and which grow up in us, he came by his spirit to eradicate them, to pluck them up by the roots and to put within us another principle which shall fight with the old principle of sin and overcome it till Christ alone shall reign and every thought shall be brought into captivity to him. Jesus is his name. Amen? Amen. There is hope in the gospel. Maybe you're here this morning and you're sitting here and you're saying, that's, that's my story. That's what's happened to me. I, I'm sitting here different. I'm no longer the person I used to be. And, and to that I say, glory to God and praise the Lord. There's some of you here who say, yeah, but I'm, I'm in this part of the journey and I still wrestle and struggle with these things. And I can't say that I'm yet free or I've been totally retrained or I'm working to you. I say, Continue clinging to Jesus. If you don't know anything else to do, you wrap your arms around the truths of the gospel. And when you don't know what else to do, you stand and you cry out. You call people who would lead you in the way of righteousness and so that you're not alone, but you do not. Do it alone. I appeal to you that you reach out for help. Jesus is there, and you are not alone. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. You can stand with me.